This is Coffee with Timmy. Welcome back to Coffee with Timmy. How are you doing? Uh, today we're going to start a three-session season. And what I want to talk about today, I think, affects all of us. We've had excuses, which you will see as I go along. We've had reasons that we thought were tangible. We've had reasons that, you know, was just a scapegoat reason, but it's been there. But the thing is, we're in November. We've got one more month to go, and then the year is over. Whether we like it or not, that's the end of 2022. So if you don't know by now, you know I'm talking about COVID and all things COVID. But specifically, I want us to look at post-COVID career. Um, what is it like to have a career in the post-COVID world? What is it even like to have a job in the post-COVID world? And I've got the very, um, how will I describe her? The person that is really, if I can use the word, apt to talk us through this. But before I introduce her, I want you to know what it is we'll be talking about for the next three sessions. So this first one, we're just going to look at what do you need to be? To be a career person, to have a job in the post-COVID world, what do you need to be? It doesn't matter what you're doing now. Already we can see after COVID that some jobs are no longer existing. So what do you need to be in the post-COVID job world? Should we call it that? The second session will do it. What do you need to have? What do you need to have? Do you need a degree? Do you need soft skills, hard skills? What do you need to have? We're going to look at that. And then the third session, we're going to wrap it up. So this is going to be over three weeks or over six weeks. We'll see how it goes. So let me introduce to you my guests today. And I tell you, we are blessed to actually ever doing this for us because what we're getting for free i tell you people are paying a lot of hard currency for to get she is an international human capital and management consultant she's got over 30 years experience she's worked for fortune 200 companies before transitioning to advising and supporting public government and private sector organizations as a consultant she has worked and lived, and this I know for a fact. She's not just writing. I'm not just saying this. She has worked and lived in over 60 countries around the world. I think she's probably been to every continent. I stand to be corrected. She is also an internationally certified professional coach. With me today is Miss Femi Volaji. Hi there. Hey, how are you doing? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Um, I'm going to. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you guys, I really used to be scared of her when I just met her. <laughs> and I would not say, I would say she is. Um, I would say her bite is worse than our than her back. I think she's just very upfront, and you're either going to like what you hear because she's not going to. Um, She's not going to um, couch it in anything. She's just going to say it should straight from the hips. And I think sometimes that's what we need to hear. In fact, in this post-COVID world, that's what we need to hear. Because we've, we've had too many, we've had too, too many months, too many weeks, too many, whatever you want to call it, to use COVID as a scapegoat. So let's get real. Let's get down to business. 
So Femi, um, I'd like you to just take us through and I'm, I'm going to leave a lot of the talking to her, which is very unlike me, but I'm going to leave a lot of the talking to her. So get your pencils, get your notebooks. You're going to need to write things down. What do you need to be in having a career or if you want a job even in the post COVID world, what do we need to be? Thanks, Tokbea. Thanks for that introduction. Um, rather than what do you need to be, I think what we mean is who do you need to be? Because the person you need to be pre-COVID uh, has morphed a bit. You know, the old, quote-unquote, the old work contract was that, you know, you apply for a job, you dust off your CV, you apply, you do a series of interviews, you get a job, you get a new office and life goes on. Everyone keeps talking about when things return to normal. And it's uh, one of those increasingly frustrating terms for me because I keep trying to let everyone know things will not return to normal. COVID shook the world and it changed all our paradigms, our previously held paradigms about work, about how to search for a job, about the kinds of jobs that are available, about the kinds of skill sets. We're not going to return to normal. Uh, the people who are more accurate and who are more reality-based are the ones who are saying, this is the new normal. It's just like when the Industrial Revolution happened, then there was the tech revolution. Things never returned to normal. And now there's the COVID-induced revolution revolution which is kind of a tech revolution uh next level so for those who are saying oh when things go back to normal wake up guys this is the new normal it's this not gonna the... go back yeah this is um, the new normal <laughs> and so people need to wrap their minds around that and because it's a new normal remember when we all had to start learning the computer and in fact when i help people with their cvs now and they're still putting oh, I know Microsoft Word, I know Zoom. I tell them that's obsolete. It's assumed that you know Microsoft Word and Zoom. You don't need to put that on your CV anymore. Uh, if you don't, then the Houston is a problem. So those aren't skills that you need to put on. In fact, when you put them on your CV, it dates you. It shows that you still think technology is new. When you start saying familiar with Microsoft Word, it's assumed, just as the sun rises and sets, it's assumed that you know Microsoft and all that. So when someone puts it, immediately I can slug their age range, because to them it's still strange skills. Ouch, so ouch. That's why, that's why they still feel it needs to go on a CV. It goes without saying that you know these softwares. They'll put softwares, MS Word, uh, PowerPoint. <laughs> of course <laughs> and so that's what post-covid skills are going to be like so you're saying uh, sorry to interrupt uh, you there you're saying technology is is a must it's not primo yeah but not even mm -hmm. just technology mm -hmm. that's why i split it between some microsoft and all that mm -hmm. it's things like what we are doing now zoom mm -hmm. project management softwares remote working softwares outsourcing softwares you know the three things that uh, that uh, covid has brought about is an increased automation of work 
increased. We had already automated work, but increased automation of work in different ways. Then there's something called, and I don't want to get all buzzwordy because buzzwords are only good as buzzwords are. There's also the atomization of work, which is taking big bits of work. So before you give somebody a chunk of work, and then they have to work it out. So there's the automation, which was already there. Post-COVID work world and career has just upped that to the next level. So things that were formerly not automated had to become automated mm-hmm. post-COVID because of the remote working nature of it. So new apps came up that help you to further automate. There's the atomization, which is these big chunks of work are broken down into little pieces. And people now become specialists in little pieces of the big chunk. So you know the atom is the smallest possible piece of a nuclear uh, thing. So little chunks of work and people now become specialists in little tiny areas. They pick an area and they become experts in it. So work has become enhanced automated. It's become atomized. So you look at the pieces of this whole project to build a house. My own is windows. So I'm going to learn the different types of windows, the different types of materials the windows are made out of, the different types of shapes, the different types of weather the windows can be used. And I take windows and I atomize it. I become an expert. And then there's the augmentation. That's, uh, you hear about augmented, you see people wearing 3D glasses, augmented reality. Mm -hmm. There's the augmentation of work, which is taking the little bits and pieces and augmenting it, helping it to be easier for people who do it. So it's not that you just took a piece of work, but you're still using a hammer. But software and technology helps you to augment that piece of work so that life is so much easier with that augmented piece of work. Yeah. So the three A's, as I call them, each of those requires a certain skill set. So what are these three A's? Automation, enhanced automation, as I call it. Mm -hmm. Augmentation, Mm -hmm. tech apps that help you to do better with the little chunks of work. You don't have to do it all on your own. When uh, Timmy and I were planning for this, she kept taking all these things and I said, let's do it together. Let's do it together. You don't have to do it on your own. (laughs) Augmented reality, I'm sure you've heard that. (laughs) And then automation, atomization, breaking down work into smaller pieces and deep diving, specializing. Augmentation, using apps, technology to support you in doing those things so you don't have to do them manually and the general next level of automation of work each of those things will call on you to learn new skills now i tell people you gotta have a plan when it comes to personal career planning you gotta have a plan and that plan needs to be an integrated plan it's not just your cv you have to look long and hard you know the bible says before a man builds a house before a woman builds a house you have to have a plan You look at how much you have, you look at your life, you look at what you want to do, you 
look 10 years down the road, it's the same thing. Your CV is not divorced from you. It's part of your life. What's your status? What's your age? Where are you going? What are your life ambitions? You don't just throw a CV out there because you need an income, you need a paycheck next month. You need to have a plan. Am I going to be in the workforce for the next 10 years? If I am, do I want to stay in this career? That's about who do I need to be. I have friends who call me for guidance and they're planning to retire in five years. Who do you need to be? Well, it depends. Are your kids grown? Do you have kids? What kind of retirement do you plan for yourself? Some people, after I break it down for them, they're like, oh, I can't be bothered for only just five years. I can't be bothered. For some people, and my rule of thumb is always if you have at least 10 years left to work, it's worth going out and investing in yourself and reinventing yourself if you need to. 10 years is my rule of thumb. For some people, it might be, look, five years and I can't stand what I'm doing anymore. So even if it's five years, I still want to reinvent myself. I want to become a different person. That's fine, but you have to assess the lay of the land, as I said, the Bible says. So you decide. I can't tell you that. You know your internal statistics, dynamics, what's happening in your life, where you want to be, how you want to finish. They talk about finishing well. So who do I want to be? It depends on where I'm going. They say, so you must first of all have a plan. They say, if you don't know where you're going, then any road will take you there. Mm. Right? Yeah. So if you know where you're going, then you decide, is it worth investing? Some people, should I go back to school? It depends. Do you have the money? If you're going to be retiring in 10 years, do you really want to take a whole chunk of money out of the money you save to go and invest in another degree? If you only have 10 years worth of work, will that degree that you've invested 10, 20,000 in, will it pay off within 10 years? So these are all the things. You don't just go and get a degree. If you're going to get a degree for free that's going to turn you from an accountant to a chef or something, by all means. Because you know what? A chef may pay for itself long after retirement, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can parlay it into opening a catering business and all that. So these are all the considerations, but you got to have a plan and you got to think it through. So who do you need to be? Take, do an assessment of who you are, your age, your demographics, your life situation, your savings, and make an informed decision. Don't just belly flop into the swimming pool because that's what everyone's doing. You need to do your homework and no one can do that for you. You know, people always ask me, how did I transition from fully paid employment into consulting? I'll tell you the first thing, it was damn scary. Uh, For one year, I was sitting by the phone, one year, 12 months, waiting for it to ring. And so why did I make consulting? It was the only thing I knew. It's exactly this assessment that I said. I had technical knowledge, I had uh, done a lot of work around the world. It was the only thing I knew. And plus, I didn't have money. I'm stopping from getting a regular paycheck. That was not the time to go and get a loan and invest money and go and get another degree. Uh, I have three college degrees, and uh, I didn't see how a fourth one would help me. And not getting a regular paycheck was not the time to now go and get another (laughs) degree and invest the money. 
mm-hmm. and uh, get more uh, debt on myself. So I just parlayed what I knew, what was in my head, into knowledge. And again, I warned people for 12 months, the phone didn't ring. I sat down there watching my savings, what little there was of it, window, and started getting scared as my account was going down, my fear factor was going up. Uh, Timmy knows all about this. She has been such a support, such a friend. You know, sometimes she'd call, how are you doing? And I'd be like, I'm broke and I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent. <laughs> and she would encourage me. She would tell me all these uh... things. So there is no automatic transition. you got to have a plan. you got to think these things through. People would always ask me when work started picking up, uh, I was telling Timmy that uh, one of the most surprising things, you know, at breaks, tea breaks during sessions, I'd be doing training and all that. Sometimes people would be lined up, but the interesting thing was it was usually men. And, uh, you know, I intro myself the way Timmy introduced me, and sometimes it would be the part to say that she used to work and then she transitioned. So when people would be lined up to chat with me at break time, I would think I'd be patting myself on the back thinking, oh, I've been so brilliant this first half that they want to ask me some very deep questions about the technical subject matter. You know, eight times out of ten, what they wanted to know, how did you make the transition? And I'm just like, ah, I have been talking some great technical stuff, some worldly knowledge, and what you want to do is know is how did I make the transition from full-time paid employment to a consultant? And it showed me, and this has been years ago, that people are always thinking about this. Everyone gets to a point where they're tired of work. They're tired of the nonsense. They're tired of the BS. People are just scared. And it is a scary transition. You know, a lot yeah. of times people mm-hmm. send me their CVs. They think mm-hmm. it's magic. Oh, can you sh- share my CV? I don't mean to be mean, but I can't share your CV. What do you have to offer? The CV doesn't tell me anything. Transitioning is not just send my CV. It's not looking for a job. You have to have built a network. You have to have planned it. I can't just send out your CV. What are you offering? The CV doesn't tell me what you bring to the table. And I tell you more than anything else, collecting a paycheck is the most comfortable, coma-inducing lifestyle you can have. <laughs> Whether you- Because you're part of a mix. So you're sure of a paycheck, but consulting, you're exposed, you're naked. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of every consulting gig, they fill out an assessment. And if it's not good, the client could say, we didn't get good feedback. We're not calling you back. <laughs> or we're canceling Ooh. the contract. Ooh. Okay, that's a hard one. That's a hard one. And, that, and I actually never thought of that, but that is true. When you do go for some courses, you get uh, the feedback. And I... Funny enough, I just used to think, oh, they just want to know whether we liked what was said or not, not 
who the presenter was, not who the facilitator was. I never actually thought about it like it's more than the content. They want to know what this person standing up there did. Did they perform or didn't they? Exactly. Hmm. So it's a, it's it's something, at least for consulting. And if you decide to open a restaurant, whatever you decide to do, just know that you're on your own now. You're exposed. Yeah. Where before, hmm. uh, if your food is not good in a restaurant, people will vote with their feet and their money. You'll just see that hmm. they're not coming to your restaurant. Hmm. You, we cannot, um, let me use a very, I know it, sound, it sounds silly that I'm saying it, but I've been in that place where I'm so annoyed whatever is going on in the office. I'm so upset about whatever I want to make an emotional decision. And I'm saying I want to make because thankfully I've been able to talk to one or two people. Say, ah, ah, ah. That's actually not the right one <laughs> because you think you can do it by yourself. I can do this and I can just do it on my own. So in in making that emotional decision which i'm sure those who've come to you to say how did you transition they've also done that they've made or they've thought oh i'm going to do this i can do this better and there's an assumption that all that you've been doing the people you've met and the people you know and what you've done will speak for you when you set up your own shop how does that fly in re in reality yeah, that's the question you asked. I have to tell you, it was an ego drop. It was a prick in my balloon. I felt so highly of myself. I had worked so hard. I tell people that I left blood on the dance floor. As a Michael Jackson song saying about leaving blood on the dance floor. I worked very hard and I did very well. And I had a stellar professional reputation. I used to get incredible performance reviews. I was a young up-and-comer. I had tremendous career success. So all the accolades I was getting, I assumed, would translate into business. That as soon as people heard that Femi had opened her own shop, they'd be beating a path down to my door to say, Ah, is it the same Femi? Ah, she's really good and everything. <laughs> Listen, you're only as good as the last transaction, as I said. People mean well, just as you mean well, you know? Mm -hmm. I always remember those send-offs that we do for people. I mean every word I say when I say we're gonna miss you, you did so well, the place won't be the same without you. But you know what? A week after, I'm busy. If you don't call me, I've forgotten you. Because there are other people to replace you. I mean well, I love you, I meant everything I said. But it's a, it's a biased marketplace. If you don't keep yourself front and center for me, and you don't keep your name in front of me by networking, hi, Femi, it's been a while, I moved on. Not because you didn't matter to me, but I'm busy. There are things to get done. I'm not going to be saying, oh, where's Femi? Oh, she's a, if you call me, I'll be like, oh, Femi, you know, I thought about you last week. We have a gig, and that's how after 12 months, a former colleague of mine, and this is what you call God's favor, a former colleague of mine was the one who called me from the Middle East, Jordan, and said, Femi, I remember a few months ago when we had lunch that you said you were leaving, you were going to become a consultant. Have you done it? I'm like, yes. She said, what do you consult in? And I said, she goes, good, I have a job for you. Come to Jordan. 
that was my first breakthrough. For I was half happy dancing because I was broke, but the other half was resentful to say, so you haven't been thinking about me this whole time and wondering about Femi and how she coping? Of course she wasn't. She's got things to do. I had thought I was so famous, so popular, so efficient, so professionally respected that the first gig they had for a consultant, and I got even madder when I found out that they had hired consultants since then. And inside I was resentful saying, so you've hired consultants and you didn't even think of me? That's the reality. That's the first reality. You have to network, you have to work at maintaining the network, you have to work at building the network, and it's your job. It's not your friends. They owe you nothing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So networking so is very important. You're going to have to work, and you start building the network now. I was telling Tammy this, that uh, it's not when you need somebody that you dust it off. I always know when people want to use me. Because people who haven't been in touch for three, four, or five years, suddenly out of the blue, you get a message, hey, Femi, long time. As soon as you get that, and it's been a year or two. You know, <laughs> you know what's coming up? <laughs> yeah, that's not how you build a sustainable work uh, network. People feel used when you do that. I've been mm. sending messages, I've been sending hellos, you couldn't even be bothered to respond. But when you need me after two years, you're just like, oh, long time. And then that's when you start updating me on what's been happening to you. You just don't want to be small and say, oh, so you didn't get my messages over these past few years. You don't like being used. You don't want to use people. So networking is an art as well as a science. You know, there has to be some politician there. You don't pick up the phone the week before you need someone when you haven't been in touch with them for two years. You don't want to be used that way. Don't use people that way. You have to pick up. Networking is a skill that you need to pick up. The only thing I tell you is that don't be, there's this famous case that happened on LinkedIn. This, uh, it was really famous, if I can find the link. This uh, young girl wanted to link with this person. She didn't know her, but she read her profile and she thought this woman would be useful to her. This woman must have been having a bad day because even I wouldn't do that. And it became a big debate on LinkedIn, I recall. Because the woman wrote back and then published the transcripts of her conversation with this young 20-something-year-old. Who are you? Why are you trying to connect with me? We have nothing in common. Clearly, you've looked at my list of contacts and you want to tap into that. Well, I don't know you. And you can't tap into my list of contacts by just linking up with me. Ouch, ouch. The list of contacts that you see has been built up over years and you can't just parachute yourself in and by linking with me think you have access to my list of networks and contacts. It doesn't work that way. And I'm publishing this conversation so that people know that that's not what you do. I don't know you from Adam. Why are you trying to link with Did me? Did she put the girl's name? She published the whole transcript. Oh but dear. Once, I don't know you. I don't know why you're trying to link with me. Clearly, you've seen people on my network that you'd like to get in touch with. So you think by just out of the blue asking to connect with me, this will link you to my contacts on my network. Well, it doesn't work that way. So I am wow. publishing your request for a LinkedIn. 
it divided the uh, LinkedIn. Some people are like, that's what LinkedIn is for. Some people was like, so it's her right. So it was actually this girl who published it saying, look at the response I got from somebody. And the woman wrote back, I'm unapologetic. I don't know you. You're trying to link with me out of the blue. And I know it's because you want to tap into my network. Well, it's not going to do that. It's not going to do, and I'm blocking you. And this is a beware to everybody else who looks at people's network and thinks they can just parachute in. And just networking is hard work, and it takes effort on your part. Hmm. And I kind of feel the same way when people come and say, can I give you my CV? I don't know you. I don't know what you have to offer. Why would I take your CV and distribute it? I'm not a marketing business. Hmm. Okay, um, I hear what you're saying there, but I'm also thinking for those who knew there was a time when you were in HR, right? And yes. for those who also um, knew you then, you were in, H- you were in HR in really um, not just the Fortune um, 200 companies, but also in some global organizations. So Correct. if someone wanted to go into that place, I understand someone coming. I understand you being like, you can't just come up to me and say, can I give you my CV? But what will they do? Or what should they have done? Or what should they do? There might be somebody listening now who is thinking of getting in touch with you. <laughs> can I put your CV forward? Do you know I'm putting my reputation on the line at the same time? Mm-hmm. I put my reputation for excellence on the line. So I can't just put your CV forward. I gotta know you. Because if you fail, my reputation has gone down the line too. Because there's such tremendous respect for me, if you end up not being what I sold you as, I've lost credibility. Okay. Because when people get CVs from me, they know that, oh, that was from Femi. Before Femi put someone forward, that person has got to have passed Femi's test. So I don't just pass on CVs. Otherwise, quite frankly, if I pass on a CV of someone I don't know who I can't vouch for, not only have I lost my own reputation, I've closed the door for your children, for your relatives, because my reputation has gone down the drain. From, oh, if that CV is from Femi, it's got to be good to look, you better double check it, you know Femi sends iffy CVs. So I ruined it, not just for my reputation, which I guard jealously, my professional, I closed the door for you too. Where before I could tell you, send your CV and tell them Femi sent you. Now you have no guarantee because of the two crappy CVs that I sent that didn't work out. You have to bear that in mind. Well, as some, yeah. I gotta know you. I'm not just, I'm not a marketing business. I gotta know you. That's why when you send me your CV, I ask you questions. What have you done? What are your, I interview you. I'm not just gonna forward your CV. I'm not a mailbox. It's me. People don't, what I find also in, um, when you say, who do you need to be? I wanted to work in a particular um, world organization. And my mother knew someone who was, you know, top guy in, at home. And so we went there. 
and he said oh your mom tells me so so and so i want you to tell me yourself what are you looking for what do you want what do you want to do so he started questioning me and then he said um and you will from this next question you will understand what it is i and then he said how many languages do you speak i'm like um english he said yeah uh-huh. any other one i'm not talking about your native language <laughs> when i said no uh he said um, i need to go back and know what i really want to do because this is this organization where i want to work it's global it will not that i can't get a um i can't get a foot in but it will not take me past cler- clerical level he was very upfront about it he said it will not take me past clerical level uh, i need because so many people want to work in the same place and everybody's got one thing over the next one so what so what is your edge i had none and i had to go back like i was saying yesterday that sometimes it's when you talk to people and you hear what needs to be done they're like um okay i think what people also don't realize is that okay what they see let me put it let me start from what they see what they see is oh this person has got a job where they fly you know they're in and out they're doing this they're doing that and it doesn't really matter no that's it they don't understand that even the flying in and out it can actually even become tiring but there is work to be done it's not just free holiday there is work to be done in this flying in and out you're not going on a three-day um shopping spree you know shopping spree in in um, london and then on the way you're going to stop by for two days in france and then maybe you need to just um get some paper signed in geneva every single one it's work that you're doing every single one demands of you to be on your toes for your brain to be working Overnight success, eh? then i you know it's not just um all those things that you um one of the things that you need to do i think it was um will smith that said um it's not getting ready that he said i think i'm paraphrasing now i am always ready and that's one of the things even with god it's not um okay where you call me it's okay Yep, you you've got to be ready. And God brings the opportunity. Mm-hmm. But you must be prepared. Mm-hmm. Look, it's such thing as love. I have that saying on my door. Look, it's when preparation jams opportunity. Yeah. You get prepared and God brings the opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And that's what um, people don't, don't realize, you know. They think, um, no, no, no. When I just meet that person, I just need a little bit of luck. 
Okay, if luck is what you say to meet the person, if you meet the person, it's like when you say, well, um, give a five, uh, a, a two minutes or three minutes speech between the time you get into the elevator with that person you want to meet and you come out of the elevator. Are you ready to give your pitch? Are you going to be like, um, uh, um, yeah, oh, wow, I, I wasn't sure I was going to meet you. Uh, you haven't said anything. And the door opens and the person is out of your life. What have you said? I met someone here who I went to, um, she came with a dance troupe. And actually, some of you will listen to me will know Dr. Shei when they came to South Africa with the dance troupe. And I and we were talking and I, I had not seen her walk. The first day I met her, we went uh, shop, we went to the mall and uh, and she was talking about the places she's been. And I was like, wow, that you know, this is so much fun, you know, just traveling around the world and all of that. And then she invited me for one of the shows. So I went backstage when I got there. I went backstage, and there she is, um, squeezing muscles, strengthening muscles. And this is hard work. This is not. Just watching people flirting all over the stage. It is a lot of hard work. So, who do you need to be in post-COVID? Who do you need to be? What are the questions you need to ask yourself? Or is that for the next session? Who do we need to be? Yeah. You need to think long and hard. Take an integrated view of your life. Take a long view. Do an assessment. Have a plan. And then that will determine, where am I going? If you don't have a plan, then any road will take you there. Who do you need to be is, where am I going? What do I want to do? How long do I have? What are the resources? What are my skill sets? That will, and do I want to just keep collecting a paycheck? Do I want to pivot? Do I need to pivot? And if I pivot to what? Do I want to enjoy the rest of my career? People say, oh, if you do what you love, you'll get the money. I don't believe that. Sometimes you have to be very pragmatic and mm -hmm. say, look, I only have 10 more years. I don't have any savings. I want to pivot to some, some, something. You don't do something you hate, but it doesn't have to be something you love either. You have to be pragmatic and practical. In the next 10 years that I have left, this will earn me a good solid income. And it's a pretty halfway decent job. I always knew I wanted to be international. My father had been a diplomat. I liked travel. I wanted something that would get me to travel. I wanted okay. to see the world. That's when I pivoted. So you have to do an assessment. No one can do it for you. You can listen to people like me. I can guide. I can make suggestions. I can get your thinking going in a certain direction that you haven't thought of. But ultimately, the decision is yours. Nobody can make it for you. And it takes a... a, a and an honest assessment of yourself, your skills, your strengths, your competencies, what you want to accomplish. Some people, it's all about the Benjamins. It's about the money. Some people are just like like this great resignation that's going on right now. Some people have assessed that decided life is too short. I'm not going to keep drudging the way at a job I don't like with people I don't like. Even if it's going to hurt me less, I'm going to spend the next few years doing something I like. I'm going to stop being a, a, an accountant or a doctor. I know somebody who's a doctor and a great doctor, but she's always hated it. She said her mother was a single mother who raised her who said, if I'm going to have to carry your school fees on my own, you can either be an architect, a doctor, 
an accountant, it has to be a professional. Don't even come near me with any funny major that you want to do. <laughs> I'm a single parent. I don't have money to be having to study. Fancy majors. Fancy majors. Fancy majors. <laughs> I don't need to be a liability, so pick one of the three. So she said she picked medicine. She said she's hated every day of being a doctor. Hmm. She's a good doctor. And I said, what would you do if you had paid your own way? She said, I'd have opened a restaurant. I was just like, from medicine to restaurant, she goes, that's my passion. Do you know how many people I talk to? I had a young man who worked for me as a consultant. He was an accountant. So when he came to resign, I asked what he was going to go to. I forget what. He said, I hate being an accountant, but the people who were paying the school fees insisted, so I did it. He said, it's been 10 years. I've earned enough money, saved enough money <laughs> to go and do what I want to do. Mm -hmm. I fulfilled all righteousness. I've mm -hmm. been an accountant for 10 years. I'm leaving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's all um, with the great resignation as well and for whoever is thinking of resigning to do what their passion is you need to understand that your passion like you're saying for me we, you need to be practical about it your passion must be able to bring you money and what I also find with um, some people is they look at certain things and they think oh I just like doing that but really it could be a side also that becomes very big some have been able to do that to turn what was um well, it's just a hobby and then they realize oh this can make me money and then they they, they, they it becomes a side hustle and sometimes they actually can resign and go to it so even if your passion whatever your passion is please be good at it if your passion is cooking you better be cooking very well you can't you know leave because yes that's my passion and i heard femi talking on coffee with Amy, and i'm going for it and you can't cook uh, well, maybe you can, you know, put something together, but it's not going to be enough to actually put the Benjamins in. Like, um, oh, yes, someone recently, funny enough, also a, um, a chef. Well, she was, she was supposed to be a chef. Who will cook? If you, if you cook for two, three, four people, mwah, fantastic. But when she had to cook for like 50, 100, she will use the same um amount of ingredients and then add water or milk or whatever is necessary in the same skill you gotta have the ability you gotta have the passion i am very fortunate that i ended up loving what i do management consulting and everything i didn't start out that way but you gotta bring some talent some technical mm -hmm. know how to the table you can't just belly flop into the swimming pool you know, at the height of the IT boom, nurses were going into IT because it earned money. And the same thing with nursing. When nursing was the flavor, I know somebody who used to be a banker who went to nursing school. You know, you can't just do it because it earns money. There's got to be a balance. You've got to be pragmatic. But you've also got to have some interest in it. Otherwise, every day will be drudgery. Yeah. So, um, to conclude this first session, we need to remember the three A's that whatever it is that um, we're thinking, because now we've got to sit down with our pen and our paper, automation, argumentation, uh, um, and what was the last one now? Oh, now I'm forgotten. Automization. Automization. And then specializing in those tiny atom parts of the job, which will involve 
learning new skills, digging down, identifying the areas that you want to dig down in. Automation, upping your technical skills, learning new apps, augmentation, uh, using those apps to enhance the work, using those apps and everything to enhance the work. All these things will help you decide what direction you want to go in. But regardless, you're going to need new skills. You're going to need to know how to network. You're going to need to know how to plan. You're going to need to do a thorough life assessment. So and this is... <laughs> and this is not about being a jack of all trade and master of none. You actually have to master. If you're going to specialize, it's to master something so that this is you this is your niche if what well, somebody wants someone to do this they know who to call but if you're like oh i can do this i can do this so can so many people now if you're going to leave that point you make is very important it's covid that's brought about the need for this ultra specialization and since this mm -hmm. talk is about covid before you could be you could be a generalist because all you have but covid has brought about this sharpening of skills it's brought about this need to to really focus mm -hmm. so it's one of the direct outcomes of the post-covid work world and mm -hmm. the changes it has brought about and it's important to link the two yeah yeah oh well so before you before the next um section is posted it will do you good it will do me good because like i was saying yesterday this is also about me it's not um that person that's listening i'm also learning from this so to do all of us good to put our thoughts to paper and really look am i willing to do that am i ready to learn new skills am i too much of an old dog i can't do anything else um and the new skills i'm learning uh they're really what i need for where i want to go so find out who you are maybe what you're doing right now is what you should be doing but maybe you just need to do it in another way there is nothing yeah you just need to do it in another way and covid actually has given us that chance to look and see how else can i do this you know how else can i do this in what other way can the same thing that i'm doing be done so until next session this has been coffee with demi with femi Bology and i'll see you soon take care bye for now